Hello. And welcome to another episode of From, From the, the Lower Level. I'm your host, Moshi. And I'm Patrizio. Anything you want to say? I'm waiting for your tagline. No, you can go. You know what, Patrizio? I'm going to let you have it out. And then at the end, I'm going to give you my opinion. And I'm going to tell you how I feel about it. Well, Moshi, let's get this podcast moving because I drank coffee and I have to cut <laughs> I really didn't think you could. You would say that. I just want to say that I think this week's episode of Miami is one of the most quotable Housewives episodes ever. And between Kiki and Alexia and like the whole drama, which I know we're going to get into, people, let me tell you, go back, watch Real Housewives of Miami, season four, episode seven, 100% quotable. But um, let's get right into it. What's the word on the street? Well, Moshi, I don't think we discussed it last week, but there's been a lot of like casting rumors around um, the new celebrity Big Brother um, that's airing, I think it's in the States. Yeah, the US um, one. And they were going around that Nini and Erica Girardi were going to be on um, as, what are they, housemates. Um, but it turns out apparently that it's actually Cynthia and Teddy who are going makes, to the Big Brother house. Makes a lot more sense. <laughs> <laughs> Do you just think that, like, somebody was like, oh, yeah, like, the housewife from Atlanta and the housewife from Beverly Hills. And they were like, oh, Nene and Erica. And someone like looked at the photos and was like, yeah, those two. Yeah. <laughs> I hope not. I think what happens is like casting directors do reach out to all of these people's um, publicists and things like that to try to get them on the show. And like Erica would have been a huge coup for them because she, you know, they know that in the house people will ask her about the case and, you know, it, it'll, it'll really increase the ratings. And let's be honest, you could put Nene on any show and she's going to help your ratings boost. So I think it was probably wishful thinking. And I think sometimes they feel like if they put it out there in the universe that those people will feel obligated to go. But that said, I feel like, you go on Celebrity Big Brother when, like, your career has taken a dive and you're, like, super fame-hungry. And I think right now Nini is living her best life. And for all intents and purposes, even though, like, Erica's finally going to have to, you know, sell her diamonds um, to pay back some of Tom Girardi's victims, um, I think they're at the height of their, like, opportunities within their respective brands, whereas we know Cynthia has taken a bit of a tumble and Teddy is a fame whore. I just think after watching Ultimate Girls Strip, Cynthia in the house is not going to be fun to watch. Oh, 100%. And Teddy, like, I hope she's the first one voted out. So boring. The only thing that Teddy literally has going for her is who her father is, and it's sad. 100%. Um, well, in New Jersey news, this was actually, this, this is actually, I think, the fastest word on the street in, like, all time. <laughs> well, uh, we'll see about that, Patrizio. <laughs> Have you met me? <laughs> wow. I feel like 
I read that Teresa Judice had dropped the asking price on her house by $200,000 or something. It might have even been more than that. Um, but I just found out just before rec- like we jumped on to record that she has sold her house. It was on the market. Someone bought it. Then it was the deal fell through. Oh, and that's now it's right. Sold again. Good for her. Like, you know, the sooner she sees the back of that house, the sooner she can truly start her new life. I just want to know who's buying that house and clearly that they haven't watched The Housewives. No, 100% they have. It's, you know what? If that house could fit in Andy's clubhouse, it would be in Andy's clubhouse. Speaking of just um, houses, just randomly, have you seen Melissa Gorga's new palace that's being built? The Gorgas? I mean, I have a lot of concerns. I did say that, though. <laughs> they like to build, like, this is kind of like um, Jen's house as well. Like, they like to build wide as opposed to going back. You know what I mean? Like, the houses are very long. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't want to be walking, uh, like, lengthways around corridors I need like some circular motion I need to know how passive these houses are how they work with the sun and it's uh different uh, uh placements throughout the day to me there's no like smart design in any of these houses it's very east wing west wing like <laughs> where is the north and the south you know Anyway, we'll save that for our architecture and design podcast. The houses would need a whole podcast series on their own. Uh-huh. Um, this week from Atlanta, we got the trailer for Candy's new spin-off, Candy and the Gang. Roshi, did you watch the trailer? Of course I did. <laughs> Initial thoughts, feelings, observations? Before watching the trailer, I was like, really do we need another spin-off show then I watched the trailer and I was like really do we need another (laughs) spin-off show I get that they're trying to kind of do a Vanderpump rules of the south of Atlanta and obviously the old lady gang is very funny but I feel like they're funny in context to just like the random stuff that happens and I feel like this this is actually going to be less about the old lady gang and more about like the people who work in the restaurant and I don't know it just it's Atlanta it's young people it's going to be mess um I heard that once we get through this spin-off then we get the Karen Huger spin-off Ledam and Co. Like again, why are we getting these spin-offs? Put your storylines in the show, people. I mean, I don't know. I think Porsche's spin-off and we need to not. I feel like that is the that is a spin-off that must never be named. Like we just should never talk about it. I know, and that's the thing. I think this is like the concern with having a spin-off as well. Well, Candy has had spin-offs. Like this is like Candy's seventh spin-off, right? And she knows what she's doing because she'll have some sort of executive producing credit and shit like that. But at the same time, I'm like, how are you going to give us a whole spin-off when you phoned it in last season? Well, because sometimes you got to phone it in so you have content for the spin-off. Yeah, that's bullshit to me. Anyways. 
I can't believe we can never speak about the other spin-off ever again. No, it needs, oh, needs to be burnt to the ground, as I like to say. Wow. Well, speaking of burning things to the ground, washing. <laughs> it's another A1 segue. <laughs> wow. I mean, look, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, this has been, you know, when I was thinking about what's the word on the street, this was like the only word on the street really this week. The 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 pace at which this has evolved. Um, so we found out this week after revealing last week, Jenny had the very, very controversial racist posts on her Facebook that all of the women of the show have unfollowed her on Instagram and essentially Jenny has been let go because reasons um, after Bravo took some time to think about the decision that <laughs> they released a little statement on their Instagrams. Um, and in the meantime, now that like, obviously Jenny's been released from the show, she's had her own little Instagram live <laughs> statement that she decided to make, which was controversial in its own right, in my opinion. <laughs> It's like this whole thing is a joke. Do you remember what I said two weeks ago? Salt Lake City is imploding on itself. And I said this before Jenny's shenanigans. What is Salt Lake City at this point? I mean, look, you want the franchises to give you something and Salt Lake City is giving it. We were on fumes during the pandemic, which is why we like enjoyed it. And we only had 12 episodes. But the fact that they've tried to indulge us with this whole season it's a mess. I burn it to the ground. <laughs> Cover it in snow. Look, I think at the end of the day, my opinion is that um, I don't think, I don't think in the eyes of the network, Jenny's uh, posts were that egregious. I think that this is a case of, um, unfortunately, the cast choosing not to film with her, and that leaves Jenny in a position where. She kind of can't be on the show anymore because no one wants to talk to her. I think it's all been very performative. And her statement that she made about the posts, I mean, did she post them? Did a social media person post them? Is she apologising for the posts at all? I don't think so. (laughs) So, I'm just really glad that she brought her black friend along. Oh, my God. That man. So, number one, you basically just said my opinion. This is why I don't want to talk to you during the week and have these discussions because I feel like you verbatim just said everything that I messaged you about. But um, I just want to look at this kind of in the scheme of, you know, the Bravo cinematic universe, right? And I want to look at it from, say, the last couple of years. So, since the pandemic happened and since um, Black Lives Matter you know, gained like a heap of prominence and also looking at uh, anti-Asian hate and sentiment, which again, in the pandemic, because we're all, you know, squashed together, suddenly things that have always been happening are suddenly much more obvious, right? And, you know, because of these things, Bravo have made attempts to kind of diversify their casts and have kind of tried to put 
and have kind of tried to be allies. I don't think they really have. So like there's a whole bunch of things across the Bravo cinematic universe. So Housewives adjacent, you know, a whole bunch of people got fired from Vanderpump Rules. Um, we've seen like uh, we saw in Dallas that um, Leanne was asked to leave. We've seen them try to tackle anti-Asian hate head on again in Dallas with Brandy. Um, and, you know, we've seen the addition of Garcelle on Beverly Hills and obviously Ebony on um, Real Housewives of New York. And in every single one of those situations, particularly in Housewives, where they've tried to kind of fix something, there's always been something that goes wrong. It always goes super left at one point without the infrastructure, I think, to help the situations rebound really, really well and to have the support behind it. Like, I guess Beverly Hills is probably the one that people will say has been like the most successful, but at the same time, I don't think it has. I think it's just, we're just dealing with people who are much more polite. Like the fact that Garcelle has had to go on there and advocate for herself without them creating a safe infrastructure for her to, to advocate and instead just wanting to, you know, at the end of the day, what Bravo want and what we love to see as well as the viewers, we're complicit in this, is we want to see the drama and the things that Bravo have tried to capture. Instead of making these, like, really teachable moments, they've really just wanted to capture the drama of it all. And the reason why I believe that in this instance, Jenny, it was like a mutual decision and she was let go, not like, completely fired is at number one I I think it's because um like you said the cast the cast iced her out and it's like because uh, that's kind of what they did to Leanne as well on Dallas um and it's kind of in its infancy Salt Lake City so they can still get away with it like we're not like super attached to any of these characters but then to me, that contrasts with New York and Dallas. We've seen both of these shows put on indefinite hiatus, right? And I think Dallas is done. And I believe the reason why those shows have been put on hiatus and they have not, and people have not been specifically fired is because of the opposite. In this instance, I believe there is cast members who have said, well, I'm not doing the show if they're not on it. So in the case of Dallas, I think we saw Cameron just do some despicable shit offline. Um, and we also just saw her be like numerous microaggressions while the show was being filmed. And I suspect they were, people were rallying around Cameron, which is, and they were like, you know, someone like Stephanie Holman saying, well, you know, if Cam's not on the show, then I'm not going to film. I think that's something that happened there. And I think with New York, the reason why, that's not happening is because I think there are some people that have said, I will not do the show unless I film with Ramona. You know what I mean? And it's those the reasons say why, you know, the sh and, and they can't, the thing about New York is they can't just end it. It's just got, it's been around for way too long. It's got too much history. It is, you know, I've said, I think, you know, the best historically, the best franchise um, that there is in the housewives cinematic universe. But to me, I I think that at the end of the day, we, we can definitely, you know, blame these women for their actions. But I say bravo, bravo, fucking bravo, where's the accountability? 
you know, where is the accountability on the network? Simply firing people and saying, I'll do a good job next time is not it. I want these women to start unionizing. I want to know what is the safety net when you're forcing someone like Garcelle to go through and relive trauma for the benefit of drama. Are you providing her with a psychologist and free therapy afterwards? Like what, what is the deal here? Like what are the actual, are you getting your cast members because they are your employees? Are you sending them to, you know, diversity inclusion, um, training like what are the things that are being implemented to me this is all bullshit until bravo is held accountable this shit is going to continuously happen and i think i did my best alexia i think i let you all know my opinion and how i feel about it moshi well i'm going to add to all those points by saying this one thing um i just want you to think about monique from potomac um, I want you to think about Jenny from Salt Lake City. Um, who else do I want to add to this list? Are we um, thinking about trash people who shouldn't have been fired? <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out what is this, this game of like, you know, picnic. I'm going to the park and I'm bringing, like, I've got to figure out what the thing is that they all have in common. <laughs> well. Kenya in her in her costume, right? They oh. are all people of color mm-hmm. who are held to a different standard mm-hmm. than some other women who do much more egregious things, in my opinion, and get away with it and get another season and get another, you know, another contract. Get another spin-off. Um and I think you're right. These are people who are who when it comes who are when it comes to Bravo are treated differently by the network than the others. Yeah, it's it's not there's no equity in in any of this stuff. And this is why to me it's a Bravo issue. It's not an individual, you know, housewives issue. It's a Bravo issue because it's the same thing that has happened on numerous other shows we're seeing it on below deck you know what I mean it's just and I I have to say this like Andy is the face of Bravo to me it starts and ends with him and he is very cavalier I will say about things that he deems as political correctness and that's not just things that are racial I think even as a gay man he's he's like he sees a lot of things that happen even in that world. Sometimes he acts quite cavalier about the way people behave in that world, in his own community. And I know there are people in his own community who get very frustrated with him. Um, Yeah, it's just, it's so sad to watch. And again, I'm complicit. I know I am. I'm doing a fucking podcast off the back of this shit. Like, you know, I'm benefiting in that I get to have a chat with you about it and people will listen to us, believe it or not, those two people that listen to our podcast. (laughs) Not the two people. I mean, there's more, but I don't want people to know there's more. That seems like braggy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I guess, look, the word on the street is justice for Jenny. (laughs) I'm, you know, the only person that needs to be justice for is Jules, and that's it. 
I mean, that was a little. Yeah, I mean, look, it's all and again very another woman suspicious. of color, another woman of color who was <laughs> treated to abuse by her own castmates to the point that she's done. <sighs> My God! Well, Moshi, <laughs> let's talk about Salt Lake City and how messed up it all is right now. 18. We're almost at the end. I'm so excited. There's only like one more episode to go for the Thank season. God. I just want to say this changed everything for me. Okay. What were your feelings beforehand and what did it change? Being extremely anti anti Gen Anti Meredith Marks. <laughs> I have been an un- unapologetic Mary Stan. Mary Stan. <laughs> <laughs> um, and warming t- on me actually recently. I think she sort of started to prove her worth a little bit on the show. Uh, and I had Lisa Stan as well. I mean, I was enjoying Lisa. Really. Um, Never, so. You never said that publicly to me. I think I was enjoying the the shit she was stirring. Interesting. I feel like you have two personalities. <laughs> well, I just like I respect I respect Lisa as a housewife. Interesting, interesting. But bad. It sounds to me like bad weather. We're not we're not tickling your fancy. <laughs> They were irrelevant to my life. <laughs> they were the Jenny to your uh, Mary. Yeah, just they just didn't I'm, care for them. I'm I'm not doing that. <laughs> You're not doing that. No. <laughs> um, but basically, look, let's let's get to this episode let's talk about how so last week we left off with this dinner and meredith and jen are going at it and that's where we come back in yeah um can i just want to i just want to firstly say um there was a special from jen Shah's nipple cover in this episode <laughs> i don't know if you caught that the snake skin was coming off <laughs> This is, I mean, you're a boobs man, so of course you caught it. Wild. Um, look, I think the things that from this DNR that really caught my attention was boobs. fine, fine, yes, finally, Jen Charles tits. Secondly, um, Jen and Meredith sex rumor finally <laughs> makes its appearance, right? <laughs> Because we've been talking about it on the pod for the last couple of weeks. There's been a lot of stuff online about it, but it hasn't been addressed on the show. And we thought that was going to be, like, the big thing that, like, the women found out. And that was a big secret or whatever it is. But to my surprise, or perhaps not to my surprise, there was a never-before-seen where when they were back in Vale, Whitney talks to Meredith about this rumour that is going around that gen- the same person that Meredith was sleeping with in New York City, right? Which, you know what, that is so messy and it is something I would do. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's on the public record now. I'm not editing that out. Don't edit it out. But I would, if I really was in a feud with someone, I would go and fuck their love interest as well. Remind me never to get into a real feud with you. Because I will steal your man. Probably, to be fair. <laughs> but I hate this. I hate how they hold on to this never before seen stuff. Just to it's, drag it up like 12 episodes later. This is big time Salt Lake City. Like that's that's their like thing at this point. But Meredith kind of like in this like flashback doesn't really confirm nor deny nor acknowledge Whitney really. That And that's the thing that pissed me off. It was like a blip on the radar. And it probably, that was the thing, probably at that time, they probably were like, oh, this, like, doesn't really mean anything. It was just some random thing that Whitney's spewing out. It wasn't until now in this episode and probably the next where it actually becomes something a bit more solidified, right? Well, we don't really know really what's going to happen next, but in terms of, like, the Jen Shah also being part of the sexcapade. But I 100% think it's going to come up at the reunion. Oh, definitely, right? I think my problem with though, with this this whole conversation, and it's been an ongoing conversation, mm. how the fact that Meredith and Mary were not on the bus to go to Vale and therefore are somehow complicit in Jen Shah's arrest, it's... whether they tipped off the feds, whether they gave evidence against Jen Shah, whether, like, whatever it is. And you know who's pushing it? It's bad weather. But who Whitney. I said this last time, particularly Whitney has not learnt her lesson about wh- how to collect bones and does a terrible job every time. And that's why none of this stuff that she says lands and sticks. But I don't think it's even bone. It's like, oh, like she's got a, an obsession over it. Like she just, she doesn't understand. Like, she, she, like, and I mean, it's not that she, she doesn't understand something. She's but trying like, to produce Patrizio. She's trying well, to produce and it's not, and she's shit at it and she needs to stop. It, well, for, to me, first of all, it makes no sense. Like, we all know that this court case has been ongoing for years. The FBI, as Mary says, the FBI doesn't just show up and arrest someone at a whim. Just like because they think she, they've got evidence, they flew from New York to Salt Lake City to arrest her. You don't just do that because you you think she might be doing something. She is doing something allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> you were so quick with the allegedly. Good. Um, I just don't understand why. And and the thing is, Jen Shah either is, like, wanting to be dramatic or is just so paranoid (laughs) that she well. And so she's losing her mind over it. And, like, that's the whole thing that I feel like in the end, Jen's kind of like, look, it sounded crazy when I heard it and I don't know why I went with it, but, like, I'm really glad that you weren't the person, Meredith, when Meredith's, like, finally sort of says, like, no, it wasn't me. If only I was so powerful. (laughs) So this is the problem with new franchises who have an understanding of the formula. 
everybody wants to be the person that brings the drama. Everybody wants to produce. So everything is inauthentic. Jen Shah is the best at doing like fake real, which is what I think she does. And she brings the heightened drama. She, you know, she, she, she doesn't, her anger management is also like definitely real, but at the same time, it's never going to go away because she's made it part of her persona as a mm. housewife, right? So she needs to always have that. It's the same thing as, dare I say, Ramona. Ramona will never take active steps to change because it's part of her persona, you know? She she likes to own that she's unfiltered because that's the way people have described her. With Jen Shah, it's the same. You know, she's passionate. She's crazy. She's got this kind of personality now, right? So she has to take everything to the next level. And this is why I can't deal with this shit. That's fair. I appreciate that. But, like, they are bringing it. You know what? I think that I I have a different level of what I need and I'm not getting it from them. I'm going to keep watching because definitely there are more, like, Mary, again, I've come around. <laughs> she is great television to watch. And I am really disappointed that I think she let herself down because it sounds to me that she was going to have a really great end of season looking at it after watching this episode, that she was actually going to come good by the end of the season. And, I mean, you know, the, the, the memes are saying that she sent Jesus for Jenny, which is why all of this is happening, right? So she, she could have really played everything that, that's happening right now to her advantage. It's a shame that she bowed out when she did. Um, but, yeah, like... To me, the season has just gone on too long and I'm ready for it to end. Mary definitely did send Jesus after Jenny, just as she did send Jesus after Char. Like, oh, this woman is powerful. But she you is know, powerful. You know what I love, though? In this dinner moment, Mary, like, she, first of all, the whole, like, thing where she was like to Whitney, like, I don't have the energy to deal with you today. Like, <laughs> like... I'm going to deal with you some other time when I actually might care because I definitely do not care in this moment. But also when she was like to Whitney, like, what are you doing? Like, you need to not do what you're doing right now. Like, you need to, like, stop spreading these rumours. You you can't that somebody has called the feds on someone else without any evidence and just to cause a commotion. This is like, I was like, yes, Miriam Cosby, the... But it goes again to show that Mary is the only one who is not playing the game. She does really seem to be someone who doesn't actually understand how Housewives works and the formula. And just real quickly, another moment where it's evident that Mary has no idea what's going on is later on Lisa tells the team that she's going to be throwing a Vita party and she's going to be inviting them all. And Mary's response is, what now? Because she has forgotten that these shows thrive on the next event. And in, it was like such an innocent, honest moment because in real life, that's what would happen. So she wasn't thinking, oh, it's an event. There's going to be cameras. We're going to party again. Like she, she, you know, we've seen her do her lunches. She's thrown like that one event because Mary does not understand how these shows work. But, and that's why when we get her, in her most authentic, like when she is like, I can't, like when she disengages, 
that's like you're not supposed to disengage you're supposed to engage that's how housewives work and Mary just can't be bothered she's like she reminds me so much of my own like family like my mum would just be like I can't deal with this right now just like fuck off (laughs) I can't remember if this was on the actual show or was on the after show as well but there was also like when they're talking the next day and they're like yeah, like Jen Shah threw the first aid kit at Jenny, but Jenny wasn't there. She like threw it at the chair that Jenny was like sitting in. And Mary was like, oh my God, did Jen Shah throw something at Jenny? And they've got like this footage. I think it was on the after show. And after like, show, yeah. They like highlight Mary like with everyone when Jen Shah throws like the first aid <laughs> kit. Like that woman is not present at all. She is like. <laughs> She's with Jesus in that moment. Like, she's not at the table. She's really not ever fully with them. I also really like on their last day where she wakes up and she's like, why are you all awake? (laughs) Yes. Because, Mary, there is a camera crew here and everybody has to film. And Mary's like, that's not real life. Like, why are you all here? (laughs) Just brilliant to me. Those are just, like, some Mary highlights for me out of this episode. But... Um, I don't want to like us to sort of get off track. Let, let's like talk a little bit more about the feuds and the drama. Um, and I think what we're seeing as well is like one of the things that I posted on our Instagram this week was um, the new Trey. I, I, I'm going to say it the, the way they say it. The new Trey Amigas, uh, also known as the new Trey Amigas. But did you see me post that? And what were your thoughts? I mean, they are all, like, so wasted and, like, Whitney just going on about being a mother and, like, I don't know. But, look, it's the weirdly shifting, right? Like, Whitney and Heather, I mean, obviously Whitney and Heather together, but then, like, Lisa in the mix there as well. It's weird to me. So I was going to say to you, the bad weather and Lisa friendship of it all, and they're, like, having genuine fun and this is where being on the bus has brought them together because this is what happens in those moments, right? They went through this initial crazy situation with Jen's arrest and they have something else. Like there's something bigger than, the, than they're infighting. There was a moment that they had that these other women weren't really part of because like Jenny doesn't count. Um, so I really, also I think it, to me, it shows that I think, particularly last season, Lisa Barlow had a chip on her shoulder and she was determined to not like Whitney and Heather. And I think there's so much going on with with Jen and with Meredith that she's actually forgotten that she's supposed to hate them. And so because she's forgotten, she's let her guard down and they're all just having the time of their life. I, well, I would almost say that they have like a trauma bond. Yes, 100%. Which, like, to me, like, from a bond in your relationship, relationship, like, like, it's not going to last. No, it's going to blow up because there's so much emotional baggage. But I will say that Lisa, I enjoy Lisa the most when she is having fun. And I find that she's only having fun with Whitney and Heather. On the other hand, though, when Meredith's on the phone to Brooks and then Jen Shah walks in and also Mary appears, I am that team. 
I want Dan, Meredith, and Mary together on the next season. I don't like it. This is uh, this is the Tressa Migas I am going forward with. I mean, I'm not a particular fan of any of the Tressa Migas, but for me, the thing that stood out in that scene, I was like, maybe we do need Brooks Marks after all. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, uh, to me, it's like old lady gang. <laughs> but I'm into it because you know what? I actually think that there is like a connection between those three women. Like Jen and Mary have come a long way. Because again, Jen has forgotten that she's not supposed to like Mary. This is this whole thing. People came in with personas. They came in to want to be doing really specific stuff with agendas. And it's the moment that they slip and they forget to play those parts is the, when the best bits, authentic bits, come out on the show. And Patrizio, I'm speaking as a producer now. This is how we make good television, right? Well, this is how good it is. When it's authentic. This was the moment that I decided I'm on Team Jen Shah. Now, I'm not saying that I, I am supportive of her in her alleged activities on the show in the relationships I'm like okay I can be on board with Jen Shah why because she you know what she walked into Meredith's room and she apologized she explained herself and they actually were able to like squash it that's because their reasons for being pissed at each other are bullshit I know but like yes finally it's solved like, I could tell that Meredith was already, like, over-hating Jen, like, five episodes ago. Just over it. Well, you know what? I did love, though, when I also turned the corner with Meredith the <laughs> next morning. <laughs> Meredith the monster. That's the only way I can describe it. This is the real Meredith. <laughs> the New York jumped out, as they would say. Like... The Staten Island jumped out. Mate, like, she lost her shit. And, like, fair enough, right? Like, and I support Meredith, but just the the way that she lost her mind, I think, you know what, it's, I also, it's one of those things where, like, if I was a housewife, that's how I would be, and I also would have, like, lost my fucking mind over this. Patrizio, I'm going to be really honest with you as somebody who knows you. You would never have lost your mind the way Meredith did. You though, you would you would see and like make like you would find a way to still make your anger heard without having to scream at everyone. I mean, we would the effect would still be the same, but you would never be like running through a house <laughs> screaming at people. You have a bit of class. Like, I'll just give you that. You've never seen me the handle i would be doing what meredith is doing so and you know what it all comes off the back of it's this whole sneaky shit that lisa barlow does where when the cameras are down she goes into people's bedrooms and starts spinning her own little narrative trying to clean up the messes 
she's pr- trying to produce and it always backfires and it's always on the girls' trips. This is why I don't like Lisa Barlow. But it had its intended effect and honestly, I don't think it, it did because it backfired on her. It she, did, she, but... Her whole thing is always... The thing is that she does is she lights a fire and then when people are like, why did you light a fire? She <laughs> says, stop telling me that I lit the fire. I'm not the one that lit the fire. She's a gas lighter, Patrizio. She's not... A, like, I'm down with people who stir the pot, but when you gaslight situations consistently and, like, literally... or, or And then really spin it to, to play the victim, I cannot be down with that. Just drink your fucking Diet Coke and, like, be be your own little Looney Tune. Just do that shit. Don't try this fucking gaslighting shit. I can't, I'm not down with it. Sorry, okay. I got that's, passionate. I'm angry. That's fair. No, it's fair. <laughs> it's fair. I've been watching too much Miami, I think. Like, I'm on my Alexia Marisol shit, okay? We'll talk about that very soon. But, um... <laughs> I mean, look, the way she just lost her mind and the way that everyone's, like, hiding in their rooms as well, like... <laughs> the way they turned around and ran back, jumped in the bed and covered themselves with the blankets. But can we also talk about who was in whose bed? Mm-hmm. Who was in whose bed? The girls, they woke up in each other's... In the bed, sharing the bed, and Jen's eyelashes were everywhere. Oh, that was that was the next day, though. That wasn't the was morning the that next Meredith day? lost her mind. Oh, no. this That was after the Zion, Club Zion. Club so Zion. I'm conflating a lot of moments. My bad. Well, okay. So let's get there, though. So Meredith loses her mind in the morning. They go on the hike in during the day. Then they come back from the hike, and they have a dinner... And... Can can we just commend Heather though? Because Heather is the one that got everybody together and like said to Mary again. I love that Harry, the Harry, that that's Mary and Heather combined. Yeah, <laughs> Harry, Harry. But again, I love that Heather is like telling Mary what she needs to do to make a good housewife <laughs> because Mary needs not a producer; she needs direction. And she was like, "You make sure she's mm. coming on the hike." And then, you know, she showed up with her pink tracksuit. Mary, she needs help. She needs someone to hold her hand through this experience. 100% she needs hand-holding. But that said, you know, she is repping Brooks Marks like it's nobody's business. I, I mean, I don't know a better housewife. Like, Mm-mm. she is an ally. She's got Meredith's back, though. Like, I will say, to me, it seems like... If people wanted to be friends with Mary, she would be your friend to the nth degree. Like, I think she's been a great friend to Meredith. But they didn't even really go on a hike. They went bouldering, kind of, rock climbing. Um, And I love that their producers, this is where shit gets funny, made sure that Mary had a camera. (laughs) (laughs) That was actually low-key shady, but also very good. But I love how Mary was just like... I know this place. Like, I, this Utah was my backyard growing yeah, up. Yeah, like... this is the Utah I grew up in. And she was so happy. And that confessional look and her wig and everything, it's the best she's ever looked on it's this fabulous. show. I agree with you. I agree. Um, but, so yes, they... let's, let's get back to it. They, they climb some rocks, brings them together. And so that dinner that they have when they get home, everyone is like, 
very cordial to each other and relaxed. And even Jenny's like, what drugs is Meredith doing? That, like, all of a sudden she has forgotten the rage of the morning. Because people forget the power of the rocks. (laughs) (laughs) The healing rocks and crystals. They do. I mean, it even, like, this dinner is so, like like brings them together so much that even Mary is willing to apologize to Jenny. Were they apologies though? <laughs> it was more like they were comment they were observations. She observed her own behavior. She made a comment on why she behaved in a certain way and that was it. There was no real apology. It was an explanation. <laughs> <laughs> it was an explanation for her behavior, but look my question on that is, do we not give Mary enough credit for perhaps seeing Jenny as who she is from the beginning? What I want to say to you, Patrizia, is when am I going to get my credit for seeing who Jenny is from the beginning? Um, you have been on that bandwagon since day one. I, could, I can spot them. I can sniff them out. Um. Mary Cosby, just a conundrum. That's it. I'm, a, a I'm sad that she's gone. I am too now because I think if anyone was, was going to have a breakthrough, I think it's her. And, like, I do believe, like, just some of the things that she does, like the fact that she refuses to give Whitney what she wants is, like, so funny to me. <laughs> so, just thinking about all the time she just, like, dismisses Whitney because she knows Whitney's insane is just funny to me. Um, insane's not I, the right word. I just want to say, just on the point of Mary leaving, I don't know if you saw this on Christian Grace Snow's Instagram account, but Mary, uh, sorry, uh, Jen Shah and Heather were recording the new season outside of Mary's church in the last, like, 24 hours. I think Mary will be in it as a friend of... And I would support that. Yeah. Um, I just want to say one thing. That's the first time you've ever gotten Christian uh, Grace Snow's handle correct. Um, So I'm really impressed. You've come a long way. That's great. I just want to say I just had to check Instagram to get it right. (laughs) (laughs) Is that why you pulled your phone up? Jesus Christ. Show the man a bit of respect, okay? He gives us the A1 content. And can I actually just say... I watched the replays of like Jenny's Instagram live and he, his comments in that Instagram live are fucking amazing. <laughs> um, I mean, he hates the woman as he should. And, he, and he's hated her from the beginning as well. I just want to pull that out. You, you guys should have a little community then of people, <laughs> people who hated Jenny from the beginning. Jesus Christ. Sorry. They go to Club Zion and the next morning they do wake up in each other's bed. <laughs> um, there is no Club Zion. I just want that to be said. But they don't go to a club. They go down to a basement and just begin to get trashed. And they call that Club Zion. And that is fucking hilarious to me. Even Mary does a little dancing at Club Zion. But Heather, I think, calls it out. She's only going to a club. She's going to meet men. And this is not a club. <laughs> okay. Hey, it's got a stripper pole, okay? And it's got Lisa Barlow as the entertainment. 
bottle service. <laughs> oh my god! And then she walks in with it, and I was like looking at it and totally imagining the little fireworks starters coming out of the top of the Vita tequila. But she said, "Let's like get turned up as well at some point." I'm just like, she's on the pulse of the youth. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> But she also uh, does events, so she knows bottle service. But it's just <laughs> that whole club Zion thing, like, I loved it and I hate it. <laughs> I love them drinking out of the trifle, like... Oh, and that way. was apparently Meredith's idea, right? Meredith? The, the, the Meredith we have on the show and the real Meredith are two very different people. I think there's, like, four or five different Merediths, if I'm honest with you. But, you know, just the next day when they wake up and, Mer- like, Lisa's like, like, it never happened, never happened or whatever. And, and, Mer- and Heather's like, oh, no, Mary remembers it all. <laughs> it pays to have one sober one there. Yeah, I want to know why they didn't hire a stripper. They needed Bolo. No, they really didn't. Cause... <laughs> then, then we... And Meredith in the same room together the next morning. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I want. I don't anyway, think, I don't think I could do another in another franchise. I want, but I want Bolo to work his way through all the franchises. <laughs> oh my God, I might forgive Bravo after that, and and for him to then go international as well. Dubai. Jersey. I was going to say, imagine him in Jersey, and I'm glad you said Jersey and not Cheshire. Imagine him in Melbourne if Gina was still on the show. Oh, amazing. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> well, Moshi, the big one, we saw it, the previews for it. Uh, Lisa Barlow with her hot mic moment. She is done. And... I actually watched Watch What Happens Live this week when she was on and Andy asked her about that and she has regrets. Yeah, I'm sure she does because she got caught. Because you cannot be somebody else on these shows. When you are, this is the shit that happens. Just be yourself right from the get-go. Let us fall in love with your authentic self. And you won't get fucking hot mic like this. Ooh, child. Well, Moshi, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's get into our Miami. lovely ladies of Miami. <laughs> and we're back, Moshi. From- Hello. To discuss the real housewives of Miami. Thank you for giving it to me. Thank you for pausing and letting me have it. I don't ask for much, but it's you. The strength that internally took me. Um, (laughs) I can see it on your face. I appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, Season four, it's episode seven. Like, this episode gave me everything. Everything. You've already said to it, it was the quotable episode. Um, It's the first episode of the cast trip to the Hamptons. Um, but before we get to um, we at the end of the last episode left off with Nicole and her at this lunch 
Um, and that's where we start again. What, like, what's going on with this? Like, do you know what I was thinking about it? And I was like, there's so many women on this show that I forget that not all of them are full-time housewives and that the only storylines, like continuous storylines we should be getting are the ones from full-time housewives. And I would almost say because there's so many women on the show, they were definitely test and learning which storylines they're going to take and continue. So I think that we had with Nicole, I think we've turned a corner and I think her dad was the beginning of it. So we've switched from seeing her perfect life with her now fiancé, the man she said she would never marry, with her son. And now we're starting to get to the heart of who she is. So we're learning about her family. We're seeing, you know, the issues that she has with her dad and we're starting to see a bit more of her fieriness, right? We're starting to see a bit more of someone who doesn't doesn't take shit and starting to actually get the other side of her personality. So I think we had to see the her and her dad, not so much that we can delve into that storyline, but I think it's because they're trying to bookend what makes her the way she is because it's really without seeing the relationship with her dad and that stress, it's really hard to understand how she goes from having like this perfect existence to later on when she's able to go up against the heavy hitters. You need to see that little bit of her with her dad to get a sense of she hasn't always had this idyllic life. She has had things in her, in her, in her life that have actually had to make her hustle So she's obviously also very protective of what she's accomplished. Sorry, I've turned a corner with Nicole. It's possible that I may be starting to like her. I I don't know. Do you think that Nicole is one of these girls as well that was like going to use the show to try and put light on her relationship with her dad? Perhaps not repair it, but like just to sort of expose it. Well, I suspect it would have been a tool that she used to be cast on the show. Like the producers are asking, you know, her, like, what is fascinating about you? And her storyline is, oh, my dad went to jail, it ruined our family. I've come out the other end of that, right? And so we can't get that, that full, we can't get that full arc of understanding who she is and why she is the way she is without tapping into the relationship with her dad. I don't know if we're going to be like aiming to have that relationship be repaired by the end of the season. I don't necessarily think that that's her storyline. And if I'm honest, I don't want that to be her storyline. I think just keep it kind of crazy. I hate to say it. Um, And instead have it inform her personality and, and the way she is the way she is as opposed to having it be like what happened with Whitney and her dad because if they focus so much on it if it, nothing comes off it in season two we're going to be like what was the point of that then okay so I'm going to put in the prediction yeah um, so Nicole's dad was talking and said that he wants to father another child mm he will father that child with one of the real housewives of Miami. You're actually nuts, but if it was going to be anyone, it might be Adriana. I think that's the twist that we don't see. Adriana wants this old daddy. No, this is the real twist. It's Adriana is the mother, but Julia will be the surrogate. (laughs) 
Okay, I love your Nostra uh, Darvis, Nostra Patty predictions. Um, yeah, I what think. Do, what I'm do gonna... you think? Yeah. No, I think I agree with you. Um, I definitely don't see this as a storyline that's going somewhere in terms of like actually like her and her dad, but I think they needed it for context. Yeah. For things that are happening. Perhaps. I agree. Um, Yes, I think there's something else that's going on there. Um, so the ladies are off to the Hamptons for Lars's jewelry influencer event <laughs> show business. Um, Moshi, what are you bringing on the girls' trip, and why is it eggs from your farm? In my Chanel, <laughs> not just eggs from my farm, but eggs from my farm in my Chanel. Um, because I am Julia. I want to just add that speaking of storylines and a lot of like main housewives and a lot of women on this show, I don't think we've really gotten a storyline from Julia. I think we have gotten tidbits around Julia. Okay, she has never been married. She has three children with three different fathers. She's now in a relationship with... Martina Navratilova she's always flirting with Adriana and she lives on this farm like the thing that I was trying to figure out about Julia is like who is Julia like to me it always seems that she's only known for her attachments and for like that thing at Miss Universe in 1991 like I didn't know that that was an internet meme until she called it out like she's obviously quirky with the eggs in the Chanel and she's taking them but like where I think we're starting to get a bit raw with Nicole, I'm like, what's what's the thing that's raw about Julia? Like there has to be, there is there is something traumatic there and I want to know when we're going to get to that. Oh, well, um, it's not even a spoiler alert. It already was brought up like oh, well, what is it? that Julia lost a child. When? Um, so who else lost a child? Who else had a miscarriage or something? Someone's kid died. I think it was, I think it was Gertie. I think it was at Julia's birthday party when Gertie was talking about the loss of, no, it was someone else. Who was it? Yeah, but did she lose, sorry, this is going to sound so dumb, but do you mean like she had a, a miscarriage stillborn or like, um, a child, a child that she had raised passed away suddenly? Um, well, that's, that's, I mean, okay. So if you've done the, I've done my own research, Julia had a three month old boy who okay. died extremely suspiciously. Interesting. Okay. And I think it was when she was still living in Europe. Um, but I think the, the I think the backstory is, and I could be wrong and you're going to have to like either wait for it to come I'm happy to wait show. and see. I'm happy to wait and see. But it is the circumstances in which the child died. And and this was the thing that it got brought up because it, I'm pretty sure it was Julia, Adriana, and there was somebody else that they were talking to. And it gets brought up about losing a child. And Julia reveals that she has also lost a child. Okay. And Adriana shuts it down pretty quickly. She kind of like really comforts Julia and they don't... So- this is the other thing that I was going to say is that Adriana for me feels very much like a security blanket for Julia. And I feel like 
because of Adriana's presence, we're not getting enough of Julia, of like what we really want to see. And it's almost like she is so happy and so positive because she's actually like a, like super dark, like she's hiding something. And I think like that's the thing about particularly the Miami housewives is that they are all a bit Shakespearean, right? Like we talk about Alexia and her drama, but they all have the darkest kind of backstories. It's so unfortunate, but it really does seem to be the case of this specific cast, the way they cast this specific franchise. But yeah, for me, I, number one, I just think it's it's going to be so hard for us to to get some authentic stories from all of these women because there is just too many people, <laughs> just in general. Well, I think the problem is that you're right. They were kind of like not only shopping around for storylines, but they also kind of just got like a whole bunch of women in and then kind of figured out later who's going to be full-time or not. Because yeah. Adriana, I, I actually think that her presence has been stepped back a bit in the last couple of episodes. I agree. Um, so I actually feel like she hasn't been as prominent. But definitely in those first few episodes, it was feeling like she was a full-time housewife. But it's the same as Marisol. Like, And again, I actually love these women. If they had just kept it as the original cast and added like no newbies, I would still love this show. But for me, the Adriana of it all seems to be blocking the Julia of it all. So I'm really struggling to get to truly know Julia and really like her. Like I like her for her quirkiness and stuff. But at this at this point, I'm like, if she left the show, I wouldn't miss her. And I want to at the kind of halfway point to the season. And if this one is like even less episodes, I want to at this point have fall in love so that I, I know what to, that you're coming back next season. Um, and, and that's sort of, you know, in terms of like bringing the eggs on the girl's trip, that's, that was the thing that caught me off guard is that we just get these quirky moments that are Julia, but we're not getting a peek behind the curtain. Not yet. Like, let's hope, fingers crossed that it's coming. Yeah. I think it will be. I hope it will be. These women will like coax it out of her. I hope so. I will say, though, that I know we're going to talk about the the dinner and the, the craziness that happens later on in this episode, but I do want to say that I really did enjoy – this is the other thing that made me realise that there's more to Julia and we're not seeing it all, was her rationale in the way Nicole is confronted. And she sort of just said, you know, if your friend tells you that they didn't say something and they've said it a hundred times that they didn't say something. You don't, you weren't there. You're, you're basing something off hearsay. You need to just believe your friend. And when that happened, I was like, what are they not believing you about Julia? Like what has happened to you? No, like what has, this is what I mean where I'm like, there's something else there. Like what happened to her? Maybe this is it, what you've just sort of shared, but you don't. You can't just form that rationale, right? That comes, I think, maybe as like a trust workshop, some therapy, or something. But to to be so strong in that conviction, I was like, because it gave me a new perspective. I was like, actually, that that's that makes a lot of sense. Like, I was like, for you to arrive at that thought, 
how did you know to arrive there? Because that's not a natural inclination. That's something that I think has to be taught. So that's why, that's why I'm curious about Julia. I want to know more. Are you bi-curious like everyone on the cast is? <laughs> I mean, that's not a secret, Patrizio. <laughs> I am, um, yeah, I don't know. Sorry, well, I'm just, I love this franchise so much that like, you know, when I start getting deep like this, it's like I am passionate about this, this franchise. Okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it out of the depths and please into the weeds. Please. Um, so they're on this Hamptons trip and they've got this beautiful home. Uh, my question to you, Moshi, is: Is Adriana the Ramona of Miami? And I mean that in the way that she will claim a room at any cost. I thought maybe she was more than Meredith Marks only because of the whole bathroom of it all. Um, well, my comparison like out. with Ramona is on Ultimate Girls Trip when Ramona literally like got naked in the shower to claim the room. Ramona's the kind of girl that would piss in a toilet and claim the room as hers. Look. Adriana in this episode left a lot to be desired. I think Adriana has come out of the gate strong. She knows that she here's – here's the problem with them having taken a hiatus and this being a fan-initiated reboot, right, is that she knows she's a fan favourite. She knows she's a meme. So she her ego was already big. It's now bigger. And the thing that we see that continuously pisses Adriana off – is when when other people are the center of attention, or other people are uh, are getting the the spoils, right? She she wants to be the queen bee, and she's demanding to be the queen bee. So she's going to do whatever it takes to make sure the camera. She didn't want the room. She was doing whatever it took to make sure the camera was on her. And in that sense, maybe she is like Ramona. Couldn't take my eyes away from her breasts. Well, now that we know that Lenny did them. Oh, Lenny's going to do my breasts, honestly. I was going to ask you, are you going to get Lenny to do your breasts? That was literally a question I was going to ask you. It's a shame he just does breasts, you know? I, I think he does other stuff as well, surely. No? You can't well, make just... He's the boob. Isn't he? Yeah, but I'm sure he can do other things. But he does do good boobs. I'll give him that much. You know what, though? For a Brazilian, Adriana could use a bit of a BBL. <laughs> she has a bit of a pancake butt. But that was my... T- I shouldn't be saying these things, but I feel that she invites this critique. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> I actually feel like her breasts are perhaps a little bit too large. That would be my only mm. thing. Nah, no, they're fine. No such thing? No, there is a such thing, but I feel like for her, she carries it. She she's finding them, um. Yeah, I I thought I the thing that strikes me is that you can see that Adriana is really struggling with not being the center of attention and not having her her life be the focal point of the storyline. And okay, what is that? What is the rule about cast trips and bedrooms? Like, tell me about what, what how you think it should be done. Do we need to be putting the rooms 
people's names in a hat for the room? Or by default, does the person who organized the trip get the master? Unless like their husband has just died or there's extenuating circumstances where they're being investigated by the FBI. Like what are, what are your rules for a trip and bedroom distribution? So um, my rules are that the person who is initiating the trip gets the primary bedroom. Thank you. And they can make, they get the veto whether they will give it to the person with some sort of circumstance that perhaps need it, i.e. divorce, you know, child at home that they're getting away from, whatever it is, right? That's their veto, right? The FBI. So, and then I, I personally believe that if you're going to organise a trip, you need to find a property that can cater to the amount of women that you're bringing <laughs> so that everyone can have their own room or that we're not having, like, if people want to share, that's fine, but we need to know that ahead of time to choose a, an appropriate property, right? But I think at the end of the day, whoever is footing the bill can dole out the rooms. Okay. So I, I'm always interested by this, like, people not wanting to share rooms, but I kind of get it because... I think for a lot of people, they grew up sharing rooms. I think actually Lisa Barlow says it in um, Salt Lake City. Like when you grow up having to share a room, it is, you really comfort having your own room. And I, I definitely understand that. Like even when I'm in a hotel and I'm, we're sharing like separate beds, but we're sharing a room, sometimes I'm like, I might have spent the extra couple of hundred to have my own room. There is something about just having your own space um, as an adult. And, but I wonder as well if a lot of like the sharing rooms of it is from production. It's more about creating like more interesting drama and conversations because I noticed like Kiki got her own room. And is that because she's a friend of? Or was that because she drank too much coffee and she needed to caca? (laughs) Because she's the only one that remembered to bring a vibrator. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I think the thing is, though, Moshi, that it's about equity, right? It's like, I I don't think these women would have a problem sharing a room if that's what everyone had to do. Okay. But the fact is that some women end up getting these beautiful rooms with, like, the ensuite bathroom, with the tub, and then other women get given the bedroom that used to belong to the kids and has two little tiny single beds in it. That's just the way the bedrooms are. I know, but that, that you know, like hell bent on getting a room to themselves. I mean, and also I, I would agree because if I'm going on holiday somewhere, if I'm going on vacation, I am going to want my own room. I'm not going to want to have to share it with some other like housewife who's a mess and is going to take the bathroom the whole time and all the rest of it. It's my holiday as well. Like I'm there to enjoy myself. Yeah, not, you know, unless I'm like sisters with this girl. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the Ramona Sonia thing. I do believe though that I agree with you on that. If you're not going to be able to give everyone their own room, you need to tell them ahead of time so that they can arrange their own accommodation because these women are not poor. 
No, and like who like I don't think there's been a single franchise where they've actually shown up and then been like, I'm getting a hotel. Like apart from That's... maybe Potomac like last season, but I feel like they tried to make it work. No, there was a couple of times on New York where people did where Ramona wouldn't have people stay at her house and they always this is the thing that I always remember about um like they did it to to Leah as well. Whenever they go to the Hamptons and she always stays at the Topping Rose, like there's always the girls that stay at the Topping Rose and don't stay in one of the houses. It's always like Carol or it's um, mm. Leah or it's Tinsley. They stay at Topping Rose because they don't want to deal with the drama. Well, maybe that's They don't want to go in the fish room. They don't want to go in the lower level. Maybe that's <laughs> I mean... where some of these women have should have stayed from Miami at the Topping Rose. <laughs> maybe. They're in Montauk. All right. So... Room drama aside, I think the thing that the room drama did kind of show was, and I said this last week, speaking of main housewives, we're finally getting their storylines, but we're really seeing a lot more of Lisa um, and hearing a lot more of Lisa. And I think also seeing the way the other women see Lisa. Um, And again, Lisa just seems really sad to me. Is she acting out because she's sad in her life? I I really think I don't I don't necessarily know if she was acting out. I just think like she just doesn't know how to express her feelings. And so it came out kind of childish and juvenile. Um but I yeah, I I think we're just seeing somebody who is feeling lesser than than a lot of other people. And, you know, to your point in terms of equity felt that by not getting her own room and and not, you know, being able to share, I guess, with whoever she wanted to share with, um, she was kind of being put further down the totem pole. And I will say, I think later on in that episode, when at the the fight that culminates this whole thing, when Larsa says to her, just be quiet like you normally are, Mm -hmm. like I think that hit home on top of, the accusations that were leveled against Nicole and her pre and her preconceptions about Lisa. Right. And I think Lisa says it, you know, I've been called a lot of things. I think this is a woman who has just been through it. I think people give her, I think people underestimate Lisa all the time. Um, And I think she's just trying to get by. I reckon there's probably also some postpartum going on. Um, you know, her pregnancy journey was so long and arduous as well. Like, you know, that would have taken a toll on her emotionally. Well, I mean, there's also kids. there's also the stuff with Lenny. I mean, I think there is something psychologically to people who, because not just women, but people who have a lot of extreme. Um, God, there's a light light show happening behind me um, to people who have like extreme surgeries. And I know one of the things recently is that Lisa has taken out some of her filler. And I must say on the more pictures I've seen of her more recently, she does look fabulous. But, you know, her tagline, everything about her has always been about being built. Like she's almost like a fembot. Do you know what I mean? And I think because she plays up to the ditziness and she – you know, jokingly mocks this fembotness about herself. I think it is hard for people to take her seriously. And I think she wants to be taken seriously and she's really struggling, especially like 10 years on 
even though she's a mother, we're not really seeing, I don't know about you, but we're not seeing any like significant growth, right? Um, we're not, we're not really getting deep with her. And the thing that this is going to sound really weird, but the scene where she is in their, um, in her wardrobe, that room, her closet, and she pushes the couch, jumps up on the couch to grab her Louis Vuitton bag. And she's wearing like just jeans and a top. I was like, I feel like this is, this is actually Lisa. I feel like she's constantly for us putting on a show. Like even when she took her kids to go eat sugar the other day, I, I mean, she can wear whatever the hell she wants to wear, but I think she, she, she believes her own hype in a sense. Like she feels that she needs to play up to the whole Barbie dollness of it all. Like that she has to kind of look good all the time. And I just wish that sometimes she would just like let it go. And I'm not saying that that means she has to look dowdy or anything like that, but I think she needs to stop trying to impress us because I think we're already impressed. I like her personality. I think she's very funny. She, you know, very sarcastic. Um, And I like her. I'd like to see, I'd like her to allow herself to show more of that. Well, you know who doesn't like it as well, Moshi? (laughs) They were not impressed to see the glam squad flown in from Miami to the Hamptons just to do Lisa's hair for a simple dinner. Well, we're used to it. And this is the thing. This is one of those, like, moments where it's like, Alexia is the old guard of housewives. She's from the era where there were no glam squads. There was no, like, high fashion. It was a little bit more... And it wasn't, like, I'm going to use the word frumpy, but, like, it was not that it was frumpy, but compared to what it is today, you know, I think fashion has changed as well quite a bit. Well, too, I think know? I think it's, the difference is at that time, housewives weren't celebrity celebrities yet, but now, and that's, that's celebrity behaviour, right? Taking mm. your glam squad with you. And I think the difference is now housewives are celebrities. And I think that they also have a lot more money than they used to. I mean, yeah, when you I, look at those early seasons, it was like pre, uh, post-GFC. Like, right. they were broke. But I was actually thinking that the reason Alexia didn't bring a glam squad is because she actually doesn't have as much money as she used to have. I actually think that the, they all can do themselves up and I think they can all dress themselves really well. And I actually think, like... Alexia, I think she's a little bit easygoing as well. Oh, I mean, I I, I totally agree with you there. But, I mean, Lisa did have, like, she got completely different extensions done and things like that, which, again, is an extension of her insecurity. She was giving us throwback Mariah Carey, though, with that longer, honey, blonde, curly hair clipped to the side, the butterfly halter neck crop top with the jeans. Like, she was giving me full 2000s girl Mariah Carey realness and I was like frothing over it she did look fabulous um but look it's really hard for me to take Alexia seriously she is so traditional and stuff but then at the same time she's not (laughs) well that's but that's what we love (laughs) yeah that is what we love but you know, I guess the other thing as well that we learned in this episode is like, you know, Mar- don't come for Marisol. Like there is definitely a divide between the old guard and the new guard. And Alexia is like, 
she's gonna say whatever the fuck she wants to say whenever she wants to say it like deal with it I feel like you're right there's the old guard and the new guard but there's still this like weird thing going on with Larsa who I feel like doesn't really fit in with the old guard because she wasn't really around long enough okay Adriana (laughs) well but it's also shown in their relationships but also I mean there's also the Larsa and Lisa actually weren't on the show together at the same time either. Mm. So they've seemingly got some sort of like underlying like tension that's going on. I was actually really excited in this episode to see Larsa a lot more. And I mean, she's saying to Lisa, you know, stay out of it like you usually do. But like, I feel like Larsa has been very quiet herself up to this point. I think Larsa has always been quiet, has always been introverted. Like even when she was first on Housewives and even when you see her in other reality shows, she's an interesting one to me because she so badly wants to be famous, right? She wants to be famous in her own right. And she, you know, this new type of celebrity, this whole influencer thing, it works for her. Like this is like her type of celebrity. But at the same time, I hate to say this, she just doesn't have the personality or the chutzpah to carry it on. Do you know what I mean? Like, she is, like, a bit beige. And I think this is something that kind of, like, Adriana alludes to. It's like, Lassa is great. I'm really happy for her. You do you, sweetie. I think, I think you know, she's making the most of the of the cards that she was dealt. But she's just not interesting I'm I'm gonna say just from this episode I disagree I think that she there's stuff going on but I don't think she lets us see it I don't I don't think she's worked out what her brand is because no and I agree with you on that like she's definitely trying to find her feet but because she doesn't know who she is like she's really trapped she hasn't Okay, let me rephrase that. She just comes across confused to me. And I've always, like, I think because I just watch so much reality TV and I watch her across all of these different shows, number one, you are absolutely right. She wants to be a brand, but she hasn't been able to identify her brand. And I think because her brand is so much influenced by other people, that we've already seen who are perhaps doing it a little bit better than her at that, whatever she's going for, that style of influencer, that style of public personality. It just doesn't hit for me in the same way. I think, you know, let's be honest, she doesn't live in Miami. She went on this show to be able to remarket herself. I think that if this season goes well and like her brands and stuff get better and, you know, her OnlyFans gets better, she's not coming back for another season. Do you know what I mean? Like she does not want these, she doesn't, she doesn't want to have to rely on these people to make her brand. She's on this show as a marketing thing. She doesn't live in this world with these people. They just see her every now and then she'll be gone. Well, she's going to sell the house and so she won't really have a reason to be there. Oh, she could buy a condo in Miami, but, like, she came on this show for a reason. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was really to, like, 
make herself well known again and and like get on her own two feet but she my thing is that like I don't think she really wants to be a housewife and that's okay whereas Alexia Adriana um Nicole like all these other women they want to be housewives and they're happy to wear the badge all right so Moshi my question to you is this oh shit who in the group do you trust the least? Marisol. Ooh. I mean, can we do a positive? Can we do who? <laughs> no, Marisol. because it's still divisive. Such a quote. I can never remember quotes from these episodes, but I reckon we could do that whole scene verbatim. I think, like, this is why Kiki is she did not know what she was and her facial expressions she doesn't need to she didn't know what was going on she didn't know how it got to where it did and she was just like watching it catch fire really she is the comedic relief we did not know we needed we do not need to know the. Can I tell you the thing that that I want a spin-off, and the spin-off is I want like five episodes about Kiki's life because Kiki is a fucking mystery. You know, she's coming in English as a second language when she says when they're like, "We'll work out tomorrow," and she's like, "Oh yeah, we could work out. I did bring my workout clothes. We can do squats. Is that what is that what it's called?" I was just like. Yes, just, like, be who you are. Like, from the moment she asked if you can just suck the milk from the goat directly, <laughs> she had me in the palm of her hand. And I don't and, – and she's a mystery. Like, the other week we learned she had a child. Like, that was brilliant. Like, I don't need to know everything about Kiki. I just need the little bits and it sustains me. What about the Julia and Kiki? like reboot it wouldn't work because julia would be too into it like she lives the simple life as it is so like you need to put people who are prima donnas like adriana with her stilettos walking to the goats like that simple life behavior right okay i'll work on this proposal um all right moshi i want to ask you some questions um that have come out of this dinner okay so my first question to you is is Larsa a hooker? No. And the reason why I say no is she's been a hooker. Like, I'm pretty sure we've already had... No, I'm pretty sure we've already had this Larsa hooker storyline ages ago. And I'm 100% sure Adriana is the one that brought it up. I just love that the Real Housewives of Miami, it's just basically a competition to work out who is a hooker. And, like, <laughs> like I that's all, like... Everyone on this show has been a hooker. A hooker at some point. A hundred percent. Yep. Um, so, yeah. I mean, look, Larsa's only fans. Like, I think we're all in denial if we think that Larsa is not sending some saucy photos to some of her subscribers. Yes, but I don't think she's sending nudes. So I don't think anybody is ever seeing her nipple. I don't think anybody is ever seeing her vajayjay. I 100% think she is selling, like, she's making money off the feet pics. And this is why. 
I think Larsa just got into it when the going was good. She got in early. Yeah. I Like it's I, oversaturated now. Like you can't, it's too late. If you're trying to come in with the foot picks, you're too late. I'm I'm curious. I would have said maybe she's showing nipple. Besides interesting. Nah. Right? No, I don't think she's showing any um anything like specific. I think she's alluding to things. So I think maybe there's like the topless pics, but it's covered. Like I think it's very sports illustrated, as they would say. Do you get that reference? Because I know sometimes like you're not into the pop culture. So I'm just like, and it's also very hetero culture. So I'm like, do you understand what I mean when I say it's very sports illustrated? Yes, I understand. Okay. And I will say um, free the nip. 100%. This episode is honestly just dedicated to your love of boobs. Thank you. Um, The way that it is really an after dark episode. Um, (laughs) So do you think that Nicole was gone with the wind when she met her current partner? She ditched the other man the minute the money came in to the door. No. So I think that she was an anesthesiologist already. Like she was heading towards something and she wanted a specific kind of lifestyle. And I don't think she was getting that from her current husband. I think she probably went with him because he felt safe. Like a teacher, he was probably like the furthest thing from her dad. But deep down, she likes guys who are a little bit risque, right? So she ended up actually meeting her now fiancé in Vegas at the craps tables. And I think he's attractive and he's rich. I just think she got lucky. Why would she turn that away? She's living her dream life. I think she was good. This man with the money and the job and the craps table and that was it. She was done with the other guy and went along. He approached her. No. I think, like, she she was hot. She was young. An older rich guy approached her and I think she was, like, she's definitely attracted to him. She's definitely in love with him. What is she going to do? Like, only hook up with him and then wait for, like, the next three, four, five guys to come across? She just got lucky. I think the insinuation, though, from the dinner was that Nicole was in a relationship with a teacher, but the minute she got something better come along, she ditched the guy to jump on the new one. I believe her when she says they were already separated. Okay. They How... weren't divorced. They weren't divorced. I believe that. But they were separated. Well, how do you feel that Nicole handled herself? I mean, these women were, like, coming for her. I think a lot of this thing Nicole is saying, she actually did say. Um, yep. I, I think that it's a very dangerous thing to do when we start swearing on children's lives. Like, let's not do that anymore because... I just don't believe that she is completely innocent and not said some of the things that they're accusing her of. But I think she, like, held her ground. I think that she, like, she, not only did she hold her ground, but she pushed back as well. I think it was commendable. And I think, is this why you are turning the corner with Nicole as well? So there's two things here. The first thing is that Marisol and Alexia, made a concerted effort to go against her. They had an agenda and it was something that they were keeping up their sleeves for a time to use. And because she went up against them earlier on about the rooms and the way that they were speaking to Lisa, that got them offside, right? 
and you know they don't understand they they said it themselves how come her and lisa are suddenly friends her and lisa are the same like well she's younger than lisa but they live a very similar life they have children who are like the same age their lives are on par even though lisa has been married maybe a bit longer and stuff they i mean she's not married i should say but you know being with her partner for whatever they live a very similar kind of lifestyle now you know what i mean like they have more things in common so it makes sense why they would be friends so number one is that i think that there was a concerted effort to come against her and for me that is why i believe that nicole like did gossip about the other women before the show happened but I do believe that Marisol was putting specific words into the mix that perhaps weren't said. Do I think that hooker is in Nicole's vocabulary? Yes, it's in everyone's vocabulary, okay? <laughs> it is what it is. Um, so, like, don't come at me with the that's not what you said. But I really did believe her that I think a lot of the stuff was taken out of context. I think it was said while the girls were kikiing. Mm-hmm. And I think other people were saying similar things because Alexia is incredibly judgmental. Um, Marisol, incredibly judgmental. They are old school, right? And they say whatever they're thinking as well. And I think what is commendable of Nicole in this instance is that she didn't turn around. I mean, she did a little bit towards the end because she was done with Marisol and wanted to tell her what Alexia had said about her. But I think that Nicole just didn't want to be that person that went in and said, well, you said all of this, 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 and this, which is what she could have done because she was like, I don't need to go. I don't need to go as low as you go. When they go low, she goes medium. I don't think she necessarily went high. Um, I, yeah, 100% do think that Nicole said some stuff that was uncouth about Lisa and about um, Lassa. But I believe she was coaxed into saying, like, I just think, like, I know, like, I I don't know, Alexia, but these girls, Adriana, we've seen them. You sit with them. They could bitch about anyone for hours. And I think that they, you know, brought that stuff out of her. And, And I think they did it to try and get her in the mix to be their friend. And I think now that they're seeing that she's not playing that game, they're determined to take her down. And did she handle herself? A thousand percent yes. And this is why she's winning me over. I think it was funny when Nicole, they were like, yeah, didn't you say about Lisa because you said her house was like badly styled. And she was like, well, that was about her house. Like it was sort of like she she didn't bag (laughs) out Lisa. She was bagging out the house. Like they are two separate entities. I, I like I liked that whole scene, but I think it set us up for what the rest of the season is going to be like and potentially what the reunion is going to be like. So in that case, do you think that Alexia did say that Marisol got married just to make herself relevant? Yes. The way Alexia got caught, it was giving me, it was giving me very like Lydia Scavello, yep. um, like when that season three at Susie McLean's house and <laughs> Petty Fleur like reveals what Lydia had said about Gamble and Lydia's face in that moment is like what? Oh, shit, I should you? not have said that because that came from me 
Um, this is when you know, like, the woman is too, like, she's not the sharpest tool in the shed, right? Alexia was busted big time. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, Marisol asked the question to begin with, but did this whole thing kind of, like, backfire on her? Marisol is going way too hard with the Alexia overprotectedness. Like, okay, take your stand. You guys are the OG girls you're a friend of and the way that you're sticking to being the friend of is by being the friend, the bestest friend to the person who is obviously the best on the show. Like it goes without saying, but you know, Marisol works in PR. She hedged her bets. She knew which horse she needed to, to put her bets on and it's the right horse, but you know what? It's going to bite her on the ass. When you go too much in one direction, you're going to get fucked. (laughs) Well, Moshi, there was one lady we did not see this entire episode, and that was Gertie. Did you miss her at all? No. And I feel bad saying that, but there's only so much party planning that can be done. I forgot that she existed until we saw her in the final two seconds in the preview for next week. Because once again, Patricia, there is enough women (laughs) on this show to sustain us. It's funny because, like, there's only, like, six housewives and then there are three friends of, but then they all have multiple personalities. So It honestly <laughs> feels like we're watching 50 women. Like, I'm at the point, it's like a K-pop band. I'm, like, at the point where I'm, like, just, you don't, you can, if you, you can take one out each week and we won't miss anything. It's like, if Gertie is back next week, somebody has to go. It's like days of our lives when they just replace someone with a different actor. Oh, hope. It's like the new hope. You know, 100%. You could give me the same storyline and swap the woman every week. I would have no idea. No idea. That that Lisa Hochstein is gone and it's just like Adriana DeMuro now. (laughs) No, but I do feel like the only reason why we're even getting more of Lisa is because Gertie's gone. Like somebody needs to be out for somebody else to do really well. And I feel like Gertie will come in next week. Somebody's got to leave. We won't, we won't see Adriana. Like some, something has to give because there is too many women. Oh, my God. Well, Moshi, I actually cannot wait until next week. And, in fact, I don't even have to wait until next week. I just have to wait until tomorrow, tomorrow. when the new episode <laughs> comes out. I love it. Miami. Uh, Moshi, I think that brings us to the end of another episode of the podcast. We have to ask the people, the listeners, to rate, review, and subscribe. Yes. To follow us on the Instagrams, which I'm sure they already are already at from the lower level pod. Yes. And to join us again next week. 100% yes. Washi, a pleasure as always. Stay safe, stay dry. It's raining, it's pouring outside. Um, I'll see you next week. Bye.